Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church right here in Spencer, Iowa. And we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod coming to you this the 27th and last Sunday already of March. As we look to celebrate the fourth Sunday in Lent, also known as Lighter or Rejoice Sunday, or also the Sunday of Refreshment. Because we are now... 22 days into Lent of the 40 days. We're just past the midway point, the midway point uh, to the empty tomb at Easter morning. And so the church on the fourth Sunday of Lent, on this long journey of Lent, lets up on the intensity a bit. This is a Sunday where we all kind of breathe and take in and rejoice in all that Christ has done for us. Kind of a little bit of a breaking in of Easter here on the Forset of Lent before we delve back into deep Lent next Sunday and then Holy Week after that. Because Easter is, surprisingly, right around the corner. Now, if you're looking for the Divine Service Catechesis today, we're going to skip that for today. And we're going to head straight into the Matin Service with our opening hymn.
O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. pasture and the sheep of his hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him.
Rejoice ye with Jerusalem, and be glad with her, all ye that love her, that ye may nurse and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolations. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Rejoice ye with Jerusalem, and be glad with her, all ye that love her, that ye may nurse and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolations. The Old Testament lesson for Lyter is written in the 16th chapter of Exodus, beginning at the second verse. The whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, We wish that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots, when we ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. It shall come to pass on the sixth day, that they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out from the land of Egypt. In the morning you shall see the Lord's glory, because he hears your murmurings against the Lord. Who are we that you murmur against us? Moses said, Now the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to satisfy you, because the Lord hears your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And who are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Moses said to Aaron, Tell all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come close to the Lord, for he has heard your murmurings. As Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the Lord's glory appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At evening you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay around the camp. When the dew that lay had gone, behold, on the surface of the wilderness was a small round thing, small as the frost on the ground. When the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Gather of it everyone, according to his eating, and omer ahead, according to the number of your persons, you shall take it every man for those who are in his tent. The children of Israel did so, 
and some gathered more, some less. When they measured it with an omer, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. They each gathered according to his eating. Moses said to them, Let no one leave of it until the morning. Notwithstanding, they didn't listen to Moses, but some of them left it until the morning, so it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. They gathered it morning by morning, every one according to his eating. When the sun grew hot, it melted. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the fourth chapter of Galatians, beginning at the twenty-first verse. Brothers, tell me, you that desire to be under the law, don't you listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the servant and one by the free woman. However, the son by the servant was born according to the flesh, but the son by the free woman was born through promise. These things contain an allegory, for these are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children to bondage, which is Hagar. For this, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answers to the Jerusalem that exists now, for she is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, you barren who don't bear. Break out and shout, you who don't travail. For the desolate have more children than her who has a husband. Now we, brothers, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as then, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So also it is now. However, what does the Scripture say? Throw out the servant and her son, for the son of the servant will not inherit with the son of the free woman. So then, brothers, we are not children of a servant, but of the free woman. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people. From henceforth even forever, peace shall be upon Israel. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is also called the Sea of Tiberias. A great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs which he did on those who were sick. Jesus went up into the mountain, and he sat there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Jesus therefore, lifting up his eyes, and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, that these may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may receive a little. One of his disciples, 
Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, in number about five thousand. Jesus took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were sitting down, likewise also of the fish, as much as they desired. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the broken pieces which are left over, that nothing be lost. So they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with broken pieces from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. When therefore the people saw the sign which Jesus did, they said, This is truly the prophet who comes into the world. Jesus therefore, perceiving that they were about to come and to take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, for he is gracious and merciful. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, for he is gracious and merciful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lent is not an easy season. From the moment the ashes are put on our foreheads, we are taught to consider our sin with much intensity and repentance. It's an intensified repentance. And from there we go on through the three Sundays of temptation, the first three Sundays in Lent. And we've had that the past few weeks, where we've heard of the temptations of the devil, our flesh, and the world. As we approach Good Friday, Lent has forced us to look upon and consider the darkness which continually encompasses us, which we feel press against us every single day. As of yesterday, we've hit 22 days in Lent. That's just over halfway. If you're fasting or intensifying your prayer and devotion, as well as everything else with life, you may very well be tired. Or perhaps you feel the guilt of having broken your fasts or not as dedicated to your devotion as you hoped, or maybe whatever you gave up for Lent, you've failed on a couple times. The darkness grieves us. Our guilt hangs heavy in it. We're tired. The weather even deceives us with spring and then goes back to winter. How could we not be weary? But today, we pass from those Sundays of temptation to today, a Sunday of grace and refreshment. We go from discerning the darkness to focusing solely upon the light of the cross. That's what we're doing today. And as we are weary, as we're tired, the epistle and gospel today are here to offer refreshment, to offer a break on our Lenten journey so we may remember who we are and why we are on this journey. As we hear the gospel and the epistle today, there are two questions which are raised. 
How is God your father? And who are you to God? And those are important questions. Because the temptation at this point in Lent is to forget why we fast and pray and give alms or to give to charity. The temptation is to slip into thinking that we are doing this to earn something from God. To make something of ourselves. To earn God as our Father, to earn His grace. That's the temptation. And as that temptation looms over us, Well, let's look at the gospel, and specifically in the gospel, let's look at the crowds who follow Jesus. And then, as we do that, let's hear St. Paul as he asks this question. He says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, that is, you who desire to earn God's grace by your works, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? And here is how St. Paul says the law works. He says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman. The son of the slave was born according to the flesh. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Having heard what St. Paul said, now consider the crowds which follow Jesus in our gospel today. And especially consider those crowds after Jesus feeds them from five loaves and two fish. Now the gospel says when Jesus performs this miracle, all the crowd was satisfied. That there was an abundance left over, actually. All the crowd saw, though, was the abundance of bread, and that their bellies were full and satisfied. To them, Jesus was a bread king. And at first glance, who could blame them? If we today could find a man that had it within his power to always guarantee there will be bread and fish on our table, or to put it in modern terms, a chicken in every pot, wouldn't we want to make him king over us as well? Think of this for a second. Before our Lord performed this miracle, the crowds were a bit like we are now in Lent. They're tired, they're hungry, they're without food, they're afraid of the elements, they're in the desert, they're in the wilderness. And they're so large that not even 200 denarii of food would feed them that day. And with inflation today, maybe we ask, would $200 even feed us all? Then here, Jesus has all of them sit down before him in peace. He feeds them all of them, from out of nowhere. Not really out of nowhere, from from five loaves and two fish. But from that, he feeds all of them. They're no longer hungry. They're satisfied. They're no longer afraid of where they are. They're no longer tired, but they're encouraged and they're energized, so much so that they were going to make Jesus their king, their bread king, by force. And if you, if we today in this country found a man that could promise to have a meal on every table, a chicken in every pot, every night or every day, three times a day, if we found a man that could ensure not only that, but also that the tank in your car was topped off every morning, you'd want to make him your king as well. 
Forget democracy. You find a man that can do that from as little as five loaves and two fish, you want to give that man a crown. You'd want Jesus to be your bread king as well. That's what our flesh wants. However, if these crowds had succeeded in making Jesus their bread king, well, then we'd have to ask, who would God in heaven be to them and who would they be to God? What would the relationship with God be if Jesus was made their bread king? The answer is they would be nothing more than slaves to God and God would be nothing more than a taskmaster to them. Consider this, children are born into the home, but slaves are required to earn their keep to remain in the home and to receive bread from their master. These crowds are eager to make Jesus their bread king, but they're also unwittingly eager to make themselves slaves. They don't see it. And look at the life of slavery which these sons of flesh are eager to inherit from the likes of Hagar and Mount Sinai, even though they don't see it. Hagar in Genesis wandered in the dreary desert. Her only inheritance that she could give to her son Ishmael was the hopelessness of that wasteland. She had nothing. And if these crowds had gotten what they desired, they would have wandered in the dreary judgment of the law. And the only inheritance that they'd be able to offer their children spiritually is the hopelessness of condemnation. Because they're like us. They couldn't keep God's law perfectly themselves. And we, like these crowds, think that we can earn anything from God by our efforts or fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. If we think that, then we, like these crowds, walk as children of the flesh under the dreary desert of the law in a hopeless world, with our only inheritance being the sentence of condemnation upon us. Because understand, these crowds, if they make themselves slaves to Christ as a bread king, they can't earn their keep just like we can't earn our keep. None of us can earn the right to remain in the house of God or to receive bread from our master because we can't keep his law. We utterly fail in the law by our flesh as the world presses us, as the devil slings his fiery darts at us. Under Mount Sinai, the only thing there is to inherit is the hopeless slavery with Hagar. That's the only inheritance from her in Mount Sinai. And that is why St. Paul warns. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not inherit with the son of the free woman. That's the judgment of all the sons of the slave woman, of all those under Judaism and all other false religions that claim that we need to earn God's grace and salvation to be in his house to earn his grace. So Paul says the present Jerusalem is, is the captive city of the world. Not just in the world, it is of the world. And in the gospel, we see this judgment play out as Jesus at the end withdraws to the mountain. He gets away from the crowds and goes by himself. The crowds no longer have him. Yet, Paul speaks also of Abraham's other son. He says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, 
one by a free woman. The son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. Again, these women are two covenants. The Jerusalem above, that is the church, is the free woman. She is our mother. Now, as we hear St. Paul's words here, consider not the crowds in the gospel, but the church. Especially consider those of the church after Jesus feeds them from his own body and blood. The promise of our Lord's words at the altar is that you will be satisfied in spirit and your sins will be forgiven and your heart will be made full. And after we leave the altar, there's always an eternal abundance left over, so we come week after week after week. All our eyes see is a piece of bread and a sip of wine. That's what we see. That's what our eyes here see when we go to the altar. But our eyes of faith see that when we partake, our faith is full and our souls are satisfied. To us in the church, Jesus then is no mere bread king. For how can you call him a bread king when all you receive is a small wafer of bread? No, no, no. To us in the church, this is the eternal king of glory, offering his innocence, righteousness, and blessedness to us in his body and blood. At the altar, we find the man who every week refreshes us with this precious sacrament, who is always good on the promise that it will forgive your sins. Before we come to the altar each week, we come into the church like that crowd did to Jesus, tired, hungry, without food, spiritual food. And we come to church through whatever weather may pass. We work hard each week to provide for our families with increasingly meager budgets. Then here in the house of our Lord, we stand within the gates of heavenly Jerusalem. That's what happens when you come to church. In the gathering, Around Christ, we stand in the gates of heavenly Jerusalem. And there, in those walls, we rejoice, we pray, we share the peace with each other. And then, throughout the service, the church has us kneel at the altar within the peace of her walls. And there, we are nourished by our Lord's body and blood. So that as we leave these walls, as we leave church, We leave no longer spiritually hungry, but satisfied, no longer afraid, but with our faith strengthened as we encounter the world. We leave with a zeal to freely live the vocations which God has given us. Freedom in the gospel, with a new nature. However, The crowds wanted to make Jesus their king. The church did nothing to make Jesus our eternal king. Christ did all that himself. Because doing the Father's will, he fulfilled the law. He suffered his passion. He was crucified, died, and buried as a lamb to the slaughter. And why? So that taking the punishment for your sin, he could be your Redeemer, your Lord. Rising on Easter morning and ascending into heaven, he became your king in all glory, with all power and dominion over heaven and earth. And there's even more. He did all this so that you could be baptized with him into his death. With him and in him into his death and his resurrection. 
so that in the flesh you share all things with him as his brother and baptize into him, you now have God as your father. This is why our Lord withdrew from those crowds at the end of the gospel lesson. Because he didn't come to earth incarnate to make us his slaves under some earthly kingship, even if it was miraculous. No, no, no. He came to make himself your Redeemer, your Lord, your King, your brother. So that in baptism, God becomes not your taskmaster under the law, but your Father under the gospel. So that you don't become his slaves, but you are now his dear sons by the grace of his adoption. God is your father because in Christ the church is your mother. And as the church is the free woman, so then you, her children, inherit that freedom in Christ. In baptism you were born as sons of, of the church, not sons of the flesh or the law. But children of God, children of spirit, born of spirit and water and divine promise, where we as her sons walk not in the wastelands of the law, but within the freedom of her walls, here in church, where heaven meets earth at this altar, where at this altar Christ does not give us the mere bread which satisfies our bodies, but the bread which is beyond our wildest desires, which is itself the medicine of immortality. For here is the hope of our mother, the church, and for us, her sons. St. Paul says, For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. This scripture is fulfilled not just by Sarah, Abraham's wife. This scripture is fulfilled every Sunday at the font. At the font is where the church who was bare, who was desolate, at the font is where the church gives birth to children of promise. At the font, the church gives birth to children of promise continually and will do so continually until the end of the age. Paul finishes his epistle saying, Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. In baptism, we are born to the church as children of promise. Our life in this world as children of promise, like Isaac's life, will be one of persecution and hardship at the hands of the children of the flesh. Persecution at the hands of the world, the flesh, and the devil. But Paul reminds us, what does the scripture say? It says that judgment awaits the slave woman and her children. For they will not inherit eternal life with us who are sons of the promise. Again, slaves need to earn their keep to remain in the house and to earn their bread. But sons are born into the house, into the family. They don't earn it. They're born into it. They are born sons of the family. 
They're children born of the father and the mother to be loved by them and not to be thrown out. Sons don't earn their home or earn their bread from the father. Those things are given by the father out of his love for his children. Sons do not slave for the father's favor, but sons have favor because sons were born as children of the father. This is like at my home, like my children do. They put away dishes. They do chores around the house, not to earn their way into the family. They do those things because that is the nature of freely being part of a family. And so it is for us who are children of God. We fast, we pray, we give alms not to earn our way into being God's children, but we do those things because we have been born children of God, because we have his favor, because he has adopted us into his house. We do these things under his grace of sanctification, of his making us holy, preparing us for the life to come. Because in baptism, God is our Father, the Church is our Mother, and we are His sons in Christ. And nothing, nothing that the world, the devil, or our flesh try to do can change that. You are your Father's. Your Father is yours. By grace, through faith, in Christ, by the Word. That's our reality. Now, as we move forward, let us keep our focus on that reality, on the cross, on our baptism, on the sacrament of the altar. As next week, we begin to delve back into deep Lent. Amen. Now, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread, that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread, that these may eat? 
and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I said, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. O Lord, save our rulers. Let the king hear us when we call. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. Let us pray for our absent brethren. O thou, our God, save thy servants that trust in thee. Let us pray for the brokenhearted and the captives. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Send them help from the sanctuary, and strengthen them out of Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they watch for the morning. I say, more than they watch for the morning. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Turn us again, O God of hosts, cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Arise, O Christ, for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Hear my prayer, O Lord and let my cry come unto thee. 
We beseech you, Almighty God, mercifully look upon your people, that by your great goodness they may be governed and preserved evermore, both in body and soul. Almighty and everlasting God, who hates nothing that you have created and forgives the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Give peace in our days, O Lord, because there is none other that fighteth for us except thou, our God. O Lord, let there be peace in thy strength and abundance in thy towers. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all harm and danger, and we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
are glad that you joined us for this Matins podcast today, and we hope that everything you heard here in the scriptures and in the sermon is a blessing to you this week. And feel free to join us again this Wednesday at 6.15 as we continue our catechesis series, midweek Lenten series on the Apostles' Creed. This week we will start the third article, and we'll be back next Sunday to celebrate the fifth Sunday in Lent, also known as Judica. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church or CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for the podcast or want to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses listed at the top of the bulletin. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.